everyone. Episode two of the Pelvic Pain Natters podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. We are Carl Monaghan and Tim Beams. This is episode two. Like I said, we are covering today male pelvic pain awareness. May is Pelvic Pain Awareness Month, and we're just going to unpack this a little bit today, go through some of the awareness that we have generally as individuals, clinicians, in the press around male pelvic pain. Uh, my name is Carl Monaghan, like I said, I am the owner of the Pelvic Pain Clinic. Uh, I have over 20 years of clinical experience and over 20 years experience as an educator as well. I'm a founder of Pelvic Pain Matters, and as always, Tim Beam sits alongside me, who is also a founder of Pelvic Pain Matters. He's a specialist pain physio with over 20 years experience and uh, a 20 years experience in education as well. Tim uh, also works for NOI, uh, Neuroorthopedic Institute, Le Pub, and he's just set up Tim's School of Pain. So we'll put some links in the bottom for that as well. Do go check that out if you work in pain. A uh, new project from Tim Beans. So Tim, male pelvic pain awareness. Yes, I know. Where do we start? Should we start where we started? That's probably a good idea. Because um, mm. we believe there isn't great awareness out there about male pelvic pain. So the first place that we would go is to the literature. It sounds so geeky, doesn't it? <laughs> but, you know, you could go to a newspaper, Google, etc. But we went to PubMed, which is is a search engine for, for research papers, isn't it? And yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's quite interesting to, to hear what we found. And uh, we compared male pelvic pain with a bunch of other, other conditions. So, um, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to build up some momentum and some intrigue here. <laughs> and the results that we had back, we, they were quite surprising, weren't they? You know, we, we searched for a range of key medical conditions or syndromes. So globally in the body and then a bit more specifically to the pelvis itself as well. Do you have some of the results there? Do you have some of the, the, the findings that we had? I do, I do, I do. So um, I do, let's start with... Um, so some of the conditions that we know, you know, we're, we're most familiar with. So something like stroke, I searched for stroke has 401,000 hits. So, I mean, we can safely say there's a quite a few pounds, dollars going into the research in the stroke world. And I think, great. You know, I'm glad for that as well. Uh, diabetes, well, diabetes, even more, 872,000 hits. Uh, again, I'm very happy with that. Cardiovascular disease, 2.8 million hits. So, um, I mean, we just picked them. They were just blocked out, weren't they? We, we were saying, well, you know, what are the main conditions that people might be interested in? And, and let's check them out. Prostate cancer, interestingly enough, 196,000 hits. So it's 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 not quite on a par with those conditions, is it? But it's not far off, mm -mm. Uh, not far off at all. And then well, what we really wanted to know is how does pelvic pain compare with other pain conditions? And and I often think pain conditions are, you know, from a research perspective, they're quite underfunded. You know, that and and it's not just that they're underfunded, but the but 
people aren't that interested in going into that avenue of research as well. Uh, it's not that there's no one there. There's lots of people there, but it's not in. It's not on a par with these other conditions. Um, so, probably one of the most um, common complaints, and I'm guessing many people who will be listening to this will have experienced low back pain. Mm -hmm. Forty-four thousand hits. Big difference, isn't it? Huge Massive. difference. Uh, migraine again i am i'm guessing but many people have experienced headaches and migraines Forty-four thousand hits as well and you can probably feel where this is going <laughs> <laughs> um because then there are other pelvic pain conditions aren't there obviously so let's go to the pelvis and endometriosis is seems to have the the most abundant research at the moment Thirty-one thousand hits Chronic prostatitis, so coming into our realm, 10,000. Mm -hmm. um, that's not bad. Not great. If we think about it in comparison to low back pain, you know, it's it's not up there, but it's not terrible. Uh, male pelvic pain, 7,000 hits. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting down into, you know, what else? Well, chronic pelvic pain syndrome, 2,000 hits. And, and that could, could encompass male and female pelvic pain there as well, couldn't it? It, it could do. It could do. Um, and then and then there's a couple of conditions. So let's take the female condition. Vulvodynia, only 900 hits. Mm. I mean, that's not a lot of research devoted to that condition, is it? Yeah. And then pudendal neuralgia, 200 hits. So, and then and obviously, <laughs> that's a massive difference, isn't it? huge huge difference i mean there's a big difference there as well isn't there of of the the nature of um having a stroke or, or diabetes or cardiovascular disease is that they can be fatal yeah um a suggestion would be perhaps i don't know this is massively crude interpretation of data here but people when things aren't that fatal or aren't as often fatal because people do take their lives when they're experiencing pain and it's been going on so let's not ignore that um but when when it's not as terminal um then research is is not as as big a priority it's a shame isn't it and even when we were speaking before this as well you know the difference between a syndrome like a collection of symptoms, which is a bit vague, quite complex, multifaceted, shifting, morphing, sometimes there, sometimes not. Diabetes isn't sometimes there and it's sometimes not there. Cardiovascular disease is not sometimes there and sometimes not there. It doesn't morph and, sh and shift and change. Um, so something very clear and definitive, there are very clear and definitive markers, for example, as you said, for, for diabetes or, or for cardiovascular conditions, when we get down to those pain conditions, back pain, migraine, pelvic pain, vulvodynia, endo, it becomes a little bit more vague, it becomes a little bit more uncertain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but I, might, I must say, because we've studied both of us pain for a long time now, in order to to get through seven thousand papers on male pelvic pain <laughs> that is a lifetime's work for you just to digest that isn't it so you know it's not that there's nothing there but then when we really start unpicking it 
then there is a dearth of information and 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 yeah and and, and i'm sure that we don't know everything about stroke and diabetes but but it, it, there is a there is a disparity there in, in what we understand so in other words there's a load of answers that we just still don't have yeah yeah, totally. And remind me, Tim, what what time frame was that over? Was that is that a hundred yeah, years? Yeah, I mean, there there were, there were different time frames for each one, but let's say a hundred years, roughly. Yeah. So, so for the for whatever the papers were, I don't know what exactly, but for the ones that we looked at, it was around a hundred, maybe eighty years. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a lot of research. So, so the awareness, just generally, if people are, you know, as a clinician, you know, clinicians, we both are, we would like you to go and search for that kind of research, find out what is out there at the moment. Um, what about from a patient's point of view, where do they go to get awareness around something that's happening, something really distressing often happening in the trouser department, as one of my patients called it? Where do they go for their information? Where do they find out? what is going on for them you know what the kind of places that they're likely to find are um, us our patients and i'm going to generalize here are patients going to go on to pubmed or are they going to find different sources of information yeah i look and it depends on the individual doesn't it you know where where do you normally source your information but um i mean let's let's take this i was i was queuing for uh, something in a shop the other day and there was um there was some information about stroke you pick up a leaflet about stroke so it was really interesting it was so interesting i took a photo of it <laughs> so i was so geeky but i was like oh wow and i was buying a bottle of wine and then there was a you know and then i was thinking oh is this trying to put me off buying a bottle of wine or <laughs> or 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 is it it's it's a popular campaign isn't it it's out there trying to boost our knowledge of stroke and, and that is brilliant so we have these campaigns designed for some of these conditions um i've never seen that for pelvic pain absolutely not no and there there is no charity at the moment for male pelvic pain for chronic prostatitis the the nearest charity in the uk at least um would be prostate cancer uk there is a section under their website um around prostatitis but much of the awareness that prostate cancer uk raise is around prostate cancer surprise surprise you know i used to work at the prostate center on wimpole street some 10 12 almost 15 years ago now and in that when i was working there prostate cancer was a dirty little secret it just was not spoken about the number of it, uh, celebrities or a-listers or heads of state that were coming through a prostate cancer and it was kept very very much under wraps now that shifted and that changed and and for and for really really good reasons and the awareness around prostate cancer is so so brilliant across so many channels now um, there are leaflets around prostate cancer uk probably not in the same volume as those around stroke but again we could argue funding here as well but you know you can watch the football results coming in for example on match of the day or 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 on sky sports for example and you can see them all wearing the, the little badge uh, on their lapel for that for me that's fantastic i wish i hope that where prostate sorry prostatitis chronic pelvic pain syndrome is a bit of a dirty hidden secret at the moment i would love in 10, 12, 15 years for it to be very, very different. I'd love the model that Prostate Cancer UK has is something that we can replicate as well. Mm. When, so I've got a question for you. 
So now that you're telling me this, and I, I feel this is very honest. I mean, we know each other really well. But when you're saying this, how believable is that to you as well? How believable about getting to the point where prostate cancer UK is? It's a pipe dream. Yeah, it's probably not. And it's a really, really honest. Thank you for that, Tim, as well. It's a really honest question. The reality is, unless something drastic changes, unless there is that awareness, unless there is that funding that comes as a result of that, then probably not. It is a pipe dream of mine. Um, I'd love for that to be the case. I'd love for male pelvic pain to be just spoken about more honestly and, and more freely to have the awareness there. You know, I, I mentioned some A-listers and celebrities with Prostate Cancer UK, but in the period of time that I've been treating male pelvic pain, there are loads of household names, loads. There's plenty of household names that you would recognise heads of state that I've treated in that time. And I do ask, I do say, look, it would be really, really helpful to raise the awareness around male pelvic pain. Would you be interested in writing a little bit of a testimonial about your journey, about your experience? And unfortunately, nothing's come to fruition yet. It won't stop me asking. I will keep on plugging that and, and hoping that one day there'll be that tipping point. It's a funny thing, isn't it? And, and you've done a great job here because because we we you have shared many stories of recovery from people. But, but it's been my experience as well um, that you are someone who is recovering or recovered and, and they want to just put it in the background, don't they? They want to get on with it, get on with their life, you know, sort of in a way forget what they've been through. And that's totally understandable as well, you know, absolutely get that. Um, but, it, you know, how are we going to, and this is something for us to really think about, and we're trying to do this through the podcast, aren't we? It's an avenue of trying to build this awareness now. Um, I was going to ask then, so something that I don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know whether this is just an assumption, um, sort of a sexist assumption, but men sharing experiences or, you know, asking for help i mean is it typical for a man to take a while before they actually go and seek some help for pelvic pain great question really really good question things are shifting things are changing the internet and the readily available information is very different from what it was five years ago 10 years ago 15 or 20 years ago when i had my pelvic pain mm. um so historically, and I'd almost say pre-pandemic, so we're now May 2022, pre-pandemic, it may have taken a patient a year thereabouts before they may have sought me out. And I'm not the only person who offers treatments for male pelvic pain, but that was the kind of typical um, length of time, sometimes more, sometimes less. Now I'm getting patients contact me within a matter of months of having symptoms. So they are, they've gone down the route of urology, GP, they've had the tests, but they want to get something sorted quickly. So I'm having some patients that are contacting me within a matter of months. Other patients I can certainly think of, um, it might be a, a longer period of time. So things are shifting. The internet's a great resource. And we're, of course, as you mentioned this, using the podcast, YouTube, social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We are trying to get the message out there as much as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and things have changed, haven't they? And I mean, I remember, so I, I worked for the first 10 years of my working life in the National Health Service in the UK. And 
it was very common that there would be one, <laughs> not often more than that, not in the departments I was working in anyway, you know, there would be one w women's health physio. And um, I've never heard of a men's health physio, um, but it's been 10 plus years since I've worked in the NHS, got 14 years since I've worked in the NHS. But but, but I, I wonder whether, I mean, I don't know if that's changing. So I'd be interested to, to hear from people. There is, there are generally more, well, so there is a growing number of men's health physiotherapists, pelvic health physiotherapists that are on the rise. There are some great people doing some great training around this. Um, but, but most often than not, and patients, if you're listening to this, then it would be great to hear your feedback on this. When you were referred to a pelvic health specialist, did you see a male pelvic health physiotherapist, for example, or did you see a women's mm. pelvic health physiotherapist? We want to know your experiences as well. So do get involved with this. Or a pelvic health physiotherapist or a pelvic health therapist or, or whatever non-binary non uh, totally and, and i've got to look we know lots of brilliant therapists out there don't we and you know although they might be male female whatever but you know it doesn't mean that they can't treat different conditions <laughs> but i do find it fascinating there's something in a name isn't there and, and the bias within a name as well so um, totally yeah 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 and we're shout out and i hope that we can bring some of those clinicians on to the podcast over time yeah and that's that that's i think we it's good uh, opportunity to give a shout out as a kind of a cast in the line out into the future we are going to have interviews with urologists other other health specialists people who do treat male pelvic pain it's not just going to be me and tim banging on every single episode uh, that we are going to lighten the load on on us and also your ears as well listeners it got me thinking while you were talking about the um, women's health physiotherapy, just like we're, we're in our mid forties now and I've had pelvic pain symptoms and I had to go to the urologist and GP to get myself checked out and, and for good reasons. But generally men don't go to the doctor or urologist for general checkups. It's not something that they're encouraged necessarily to do. Once you reach a certain age, then absolutely there's more available. We were talking about we've, because we've surpassed that 40, we're over the hill now that there is a <laughs> five year, <laughs> five year health checkup for us. But, you know, for things like cervical screening, that happens at 25, yeah. you know, even going and, and when um, talking about, um, contraception and things like that as well men have a very very standoffish role in this compared to our um our counterparts with a cervix with a uterus vagina yeah 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 um, um yes <laughs> but uh, but again we don't know the full picture and it would be great to hear people's experiences but certainly my experience of going through school and and you know full, formal education as such that that was never a focus you, you had to learn a bit about the anatomy mm -hmm. and we did in biology and when I did my undergraduates and, and what have you but yeah there was very little focus and, and very little else from an information point of view I just want to do a little test little quiz for yourself Tim and then for anyone else who's listening try and think of rude expletive swear words and where is the general location that most of those are directed at in our anatomy? Yes. Well, I can think of many, both. It, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not, we're not going to mention those. We don't need to do that. You know, you can use your own imagination and please don't write in with those answers there. But but there's also a taboo nature to the area of there the pelvis. Is, well, that's exactly what I was thinking then as well. But then we also use these euphemisms as well, don't we? And yeah, very English, isn't it? To not truly tell you what you really mean or what, you know... You, <laughs> talking round about the corner and you don't really want to tell everybody what you actually mean <laughs> no no let's skirt around the edges let's keep people guessing yeah that is very british isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely how are you feeling today fine fine <laughs> <laughs> this has been awareness and i you know we've we've just skirted around again the edges of kind of awareness as well and you know much of what we want to do can we can we probably say a lack of awareness as well mm. and and i'm not look i would say you're probably one of if not the most aware person i know um i think there's a couple of other people who know a lot as well but and to, and then we still don't know <laughs> a lot of information and that is just nuts isn't it yeah it, it is it's scary and it means that you, you know, intended obviously yeah, <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> i know that we want to raise the awareness that you don't need if you are a patient we don't need to you don't need to be going through this by yourself that there are um there's you know pelvic pain matters that's matters with an m for mother um an organization that is looking to be the go-to resource for male pelvic pain there's the podcast here as well do feel free to reach out to tim and myself follow us across social media but you're not going through this by yourself there are loads of other men going through this at the moment and yeah we, we're doing our very best to try and nudge that awareness in the right direction totally yeah any final thoughts before we wrap up for today? I just, yeah, um, I, there's, I mean, even just during this conversation, it's brought up my lack of knowledge about certain things. And, and I'm really interested to know about, yeah, people and, and their experience and what they've learnt. And, and I, I think, so the next episode that we're, we want to discuss is 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 sort of typical presentation of of male pelvic pain isn't it so there's a bunch of information that we're lacking here that i actually think would be really really helpful for when we introduce the next episode yeah absolutely yeah and so they're looking at the clinical presentation of a male pelvic pain patient that's what we're going to start that's what we're going to cover in the next episode um it's been fantastic working with you as always tim great discussions really really important to start to get the awareness out there in um in 2022 and, and as you said i don't think we'll get to the point where prostate cancer uk is but i can still dream why not we got a dream we have to dream we hope you've liked the, the content for today. Uh, please rate and review and do ask us any questions, post any comments in the comments box below. We'd love you to share this with others uh, who you feel would benefit, whether this is friends or family, fellow sufferers, fellow, fellow clinicians, other healthcare providers as well. We are on a range of social media um, platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram. Do come and find us. Pelvic Pain Matters with an M for mother. Um, and we really look forward to taking this journey with you and making pelvic pain for male pelvic pain more known about 
better treated with more success in the future. Thanks as always, Tim. Brilliant, thanks.